I wanted to mention the prayer meeting only because uh, for those of you who've been here the last couple of weeks, God has been absolutely wrecking the place. And it's been incredibly powerful, incredibly anointed. And just this past Wednesday, um, I don't know, I mentioned to the church, I don't know if it was just me personally that I needed it, but there is something powerful about corporate prayer, especially when you're going through something. And it's not that I was going through anything personally. Honestly, I was more so grieved about what was happening last week in Texas. And most of you saw on the news about yet another mass shooting in our country and and this time involving children. And as a dad, that really got to me at my core. That was weird, Lord. (laughs) It's like the Lord took over in that moment. Um, But, you know, I got emotional. I was was lamenting over it. I was praying over it. And then I just... I told the congregation on Wednesday, when I read that article, I was at a conference for for our fellowship and I just began to weep in my hotel room and my instant feeling was, I wanna be at the prayer meeting. I wanna be with my people. I wanna pray with my people. And man, we prayed and we, we wept. I mean, just before the Lord, we cried out to God and we believe that God is answering our prayers. So I just wanna encourage you, make your way out Wednesday. And again, God is moving, it's incredible. We're so excited for all of that. But the truth is, man, we need God more than ever, right? Uh, It's evident in what we're seeing in our country. It's evident even in in what we're celebrating uh, this weekend. You know, tomorrow's not just barbecuing. It's a day of remembering those who have given their life. But you know, honestly, yeah, we could clap for that. That's great. Um, But if I can be transparent, I wish nobody ever had to give their life. Right? I wish there was never a war. The, the ideal situation was that we would celebrate their life, not the fact that they had to lay it down. But the truth is we live in a fallen world. Because of sin, things are gonna happen. And you know, when this whole thing came up last week with the shooting, you get those existential questions of where was God and what happened and why does God allow these things to happen? And uh, I don't really have time to dive too deep into that, only to say, that we live in a sinful world. We live in a world where you have free will and you have sin. And so people are going to do things that is contrary to the desires of God, and yet God allows certain things to happen because it's his will, but also because you have your will. And so I'm thinking about that, and I'm just like, so how are we supposed to deal with these things? Uh, you know, not just that, but over the last two years, mental health has gone through the roof. I mean, just issues with that, with isolation, with not being able to communicate, with not understanding how to deal with our own emotions. Uh, even if you want to see a counselor, you're talking about months ahead, if you can even get into one right now. It's, it's gotten to a very serious point. Suicides have gone up all over the place. I mean, we're in a serious situation. This is why I keep saying we need the Holy Spirit. But one thing that I love and one reason specifically why we need the Holy Spirit is because the role that the Holy Spirit plays. See, last week we talked about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if you missed that, I encourage you to check that out. But this week I want to talk about one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit, his function as counselor and comforter. The Holy Spirit is the counselor and the comforter. If you have your Bibles, I want you to read in John chapter 14. I'm going to read just two verses, verse 26 through 27. But I'm going to read this in the Amplified Translation. If you're not used to the Amplified Translation, just as a heads up, whatever's in brackets is not Scripture. It's kind of a highlight, an addition to, to help you understand what Scripture is saying. So if you could pull that up real quick. 
It says, but the helper, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, the helper, in other words, translated from the original Greek, you could say the comforter, the advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. In other words, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you to remember everything that I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace, my perfect peace, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. This is the role of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is what Jesus was doing for the disciples, and this is why he's saying this to them right now, because he's setting them up, he's preparing them, he's letting them know, hey, my hour is coming where I'm going to have to leave, but I'm not leaving you hanging, I'm not leaving you isolated, you are not alone. I am sending another, right? Someone like me, someone who represents me, someone who is me in, the, in, in spirit, I am sending the Holy Spirit to come and fulfill that in you. So I'm not leaving you hanging, you're gonna go through some of the worst times imaginable and as you continue to read the gospels and you see after uh, Jesus Christ's crucifixion all the persecution that your church was going into the fact that they were being hunted down the fact that they were literally fed to lions for sport the fact that they were burned on posts as light posts through the streets I mean they were seriously being hunted and persecuted and Jesus knowing this said but I'm not going to leave you alone I'm going to send you a comforter a counselor someone to help you because he knows this is going to be the most stressful time of your life. You thought before was harsh. Wait till the heat really comes. Thank God that here where we're at, we're not suffering that type of persecution. But that's not to say that we're not suffering. That's not to say that people aren't going through things. That's not to say that tomorrow's not a trigger for people who have lost a loved one in war. That's not to say that people aren't constantly hurting themselves or taking their own lives. That's not to say that families of those people in Texas aren't grieving still to this day and hurting. I mean, there is serious issues going on in and through the world. And here's what I need you to understand. Even if it doesn't seem like a big deal to you, it's still what you go through. So we don't measure our suffering by somebody else's suffering. We don't go, well, my suffering's, it's not bad because his suffering's so much greater, but it's still your suffering. It's still what you're going through. And God, he doesn't dismiss that. He doesn't say, ah, oh, you know, shut up, stop crying. No, no, God says, no, I will send you a comforter. I will send you a counselor to help you with that. And I was thinking about that, that idea, counselor. And here it kind of gives us three things that, the comforter, the counselor does to help you navigate some of these struggles and some of these hardships that you might be going through yourself this morning. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, it says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Teach you all things. Well, this is important specifically today because the world is full of teachers, right? Everybody's a teacher nowadays. Everybody's got a PhD. Everybody's got some sort of title. Everybody's got some sort of platform. Everybody teaches. And I was thinking about this. Not all teachers are good teachers. Not all teachers know what they're talking about. And uh, I was thinking, my dad, the other day, he, he went to the doctor, and <clears throat> there was a couple of things that they were like, oh, this ain't good. You know, your, your vitamin level on your B12 is really low. We need to get this out. And, and they were using a lot of medical jargon, and my dad's like, get it? Like... What does that mean? And I'm like, okay, but I'm looking stuff up. I'm like, oh, it means this, it means that. I'm explaining it to him. <clears throat> but my father decided to educate himself. The problem is his teacher, right? Has anybody ever gone to Mr. YouTube's class? Anybody? 
my dad went to YouTube 101. And you know YouTube, YouTube got some algorithms, man. When you start going down that rabbit hole, you go deep. And he is watching hours upon hours and he is terrified. He is freaking out. He swears on everything he's gonna die tomorrow. It's like, you know, those of you when you got a little ailment and you search WebMD and you're like, I either have a cold or I'm dying tomorrow. One of the two things is gonna happen in this situation. And the problem is we go to these teachers because we think they know better when really we don't know. I'm like, Pop, you don't know who that, anybody can have a YouTube channel. You know, oh, he's a doctor. How do you know that? He said it, wow, Pop, like, that's not enough. And we laugh at situations like that, but don't we do the same, right? We have teachers. We have teachers like our best friends. I don't know why you keep going to them. Their advice stinks. You know, it's like, oh, I go to my friend for marriage advice. They're on their fourth marriage. They're not good at it. Just because you have a lot of marriages doesn't mean you're good at it. It's quite the opposite on that point, right? That's not experience. That's just the opposite of all that. But, but yet we, we go to our friends, we, we go to, listen, church, how can you go to unbelievers for spiritual advice? It, it, it doesn't make sense, right? It, it's like me going to Pastor Izzy to learn Mandarin. He don't know it. How's he going to teach me? Like, we have to understand that just because teachers are available doesn't mean you have to learn from them. And so you have to be mature enough in the spirit to be able to distinguish what's truth and what's false. And that's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truths. The Holy Spirit is what helps you differentiate. The Holy Spirit is what tells you, no, that's a lie. Yes, that's true. Listen, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, again, I'm going to read in the Amplified. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Right? You have the Holy Spirit who teaches you truth. His role is to stop you from going down YouTube rabbit holes. How many know the Holy Spirit is stronger than an algorithm? The Holy Spirit knows what he needs to teach you, knows where he needs to lead you, knows what he needs to show you, and we have to be in step with the Holy Spirit. That's why it says going on in 1 John verse 26, these things I have written to you with reference to those who are trying to deceive you, seducing you and leading you away from the truth and sound doctrine. As for you, the anointing, the special gift, the preparation, which you received from him remains permanently in you. Remember, it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But just as his anointing teaches you, giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things, and this is true, this is not a lie, and just as his anointing has taught you, you must remain in him being rooted in him, knit to him. The problem is not teachers in this world, right? Because there are good teachers. Somebody taught you how to read. Somebody taught you how to do math. Somebody taught you the elementary things of your faith. There are good teachers. But what God is trying to say here is you have the Holy Spirit that'll guide you in teaching, that'll help you understand this is my voice or this is not my voice. And when you are not in step with him, and that's why the Bible says you need to abide in him, you need to stay close to the Holy Spirit, because I can't hear the Holy Spirit if I'm not near the Holy Spirit, if I'm not in step with the Holy Spirit. So if I'm not close enough to hear the Holy Spirit and somebody else is talking, I'm going to believe them. Me and my friend growing up, we had this little game we would play. I was actually telling Pastor Izzy this on the drive we had this week. 
Like he would be behind the person I'm talking to and the person would be telling me this story and I would look over that person's shoulder to my friend and my friend would give this cue. If the guy was telling the truth, he would do this. Or if he was lying, he would go, that's a lie. And if he was telling the truth, he'd do that. And it was always very subtle. It would be like in the side pocket, you'd be like, don't believe him, he's a liar. <laughs> so every time I'd be talking, I would look over his shoulder and I would just see. Or I would see. And he had to do the finger because people would look at your face and he would just like little magic tricks. Like, don't believe him, Joey, he's a liar. And I think in the same way, we have the Holy Spirit. So that when someone is trying to teach us, even Pastor Joey, even whomever else you follow, whatever pastor you follow on YouTube, which I don't know if you actually follow them or if you just watch them, but whoever you consider your spiritual parent, if you're not looking over their shoulder to the Holy Spirit for confirmation to find out if what they're saying is true or false, then you are gonna be deceived by whatever sounds nice. Because the Bible warns us in the last days, people will be drawn to what their itchy ears want to hear. In other words, we're going to lean into the thing that strokes our ego the most. Whatever sounds most appealing, whatever teaching, we're like, oh, I like that teaching. So like if all of a sudden, you know, it comes out on the news report, hey, new, new study says that the more you eat, the more you'll lose weight. You're like, I like that study, yeah. I'm going to get on that diet, right? That, that seafood diet, that all you, everything I see, I eat. I'm just going to go on that diet. We like that. Why? Because it, it sounds good. It sounds like what we're, we're like. So the problem is when someone starts to teach a doctrine, even a false doctrine, as long as it sounds appealing and you're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit, don't be surprised when you become deceived by it. And this is why whenever I tell somebody who comes to talk to me and asks me for advice, the first thing I say is, well, what did God say? I want to confirm, I don't want to reveal. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to teach you and to bring revelation. I can confirm and say that sounds like the Holy Spirit or it doesn't. I can maybe give you my opinion, but please do not substitute the voice of the Lord for the voice of a man. It just doesn't work that way. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches you. And listen, even in church, some people with good intentions make bad mistakes because they're telling you they're speaking in the name of the Lord. But if you don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit, you will fall for anything. This is why usually if I give a prophetic word to somebody, which always sounds like a real like mystical thing, it's just, hey, this is what I think God's saying to me. And it could be it, it could be not. If it lands, great. If it doesn't sound like God, then ignore me, but I just want to be obedient. This is what I feel the Lord is speaking. Because I don't want people to just take my word for it. I want them to take the word of the Lord. Amen? See, the voice of the Holy Spirit teaches you all things. And one of the other things that the Holy Spirit does is he reminds you of God's word, right? It says, he will teach you all things and will help you remember everything that I have told you. Now, in context to the disciples, remember, they wrote the New Testament, right? So these men, they're the ones who sat down and penned the New Testament. How did they remember all those things? How does Matthew remember all those conversations that we read in the Gospel of Matthew? How does John recollect all those things that we read in the book of John or in 1 John or in Revelation? How are they recalling all these things? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inspiring and is speaking through them and is telling them, remember this, remember that. So when Jesus is telling them that it's speaking directly to them, but what it means for us is that when we need it most, the Holy Spirit will draw out of us the word of God. So a lot of times, you know, I'll hear people say like, oh man, you really know the Bible, you know this, and I'll be honest with you, not that great. I'm working on it my whole life. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna keep working on it better. But in the moments where you feel like that, that is only because the Holy Spirit brought to mind the exact verse that needed to be spoken in that moment. And it happens all the time. 
Why? Because I'm trying to be in step with the Holy Spirit. And there are moments where we're afraid to talk because we're like, I don't know what to say. The Bible even tells you don't worry about what to say. That at just the right moment, the Holy Spirit will bring it up to you. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 through 14 says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spirit spiritual truths, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So if, if the Bible, if the gospel, if the New Testament, if all these things sound like foolishness to you, it's because it's, you're trying to read it up here when the spirit's right here. It's the innermost part of your being. It goes beyond your emotions and your intellect. It's the core of you. It's the, the aspects of you. And so in those moments where you're worried and where you're fearful and when things start to happen and, and the struggle starts to get real, it's the Holy Spirit that reminds you, but listen to what my word says. Hey, hey, I know you're freaking out. I know you feel abandoned, but remember that the word says I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't forget that. It's the Holy Spirit that starts to spring up that word within you. Here's the problem though. You can't withdraw what you haven't deposited. I can't go to the bank and withdraw $2 million. I ain't never put that much in. If you can, let me know, we'll go together. But I can't do that. You can't withdraw what you haven't deposited. So some of us, why we struggle in the midst of our hurt and our pain is because we didn't deposit in the midst of our peace and our hope. Some of us, we don't open the Bible until it gets that bad. And then we're like, oh, what do I read? What do we just throw it open? Like, Maybe this. But that doesn't work, right? This is what you do so that you, when you get to those moments, the Holy Spirit draws out of you. You might be reading something, I don't get it, but I'm still going to keep reading. I'm still going to keep concentrating. And at just the right moment, the Holy Spirit will not only bring it up, but it will illuminate it. And it will show you within context, this is why you read that. Listen, we have to stay diligent in our Bible reading, okay? Right now, it's incredible to look at it, but we are living in a day and age, never in the history of all humanity has there been a greater access to scripture. Has there been more resources to walk through and help you understand scripture? Have there been more apps, more books, more resources, more YouTube videos? Even teacher of YouTube can teach you the Bible, right? There has never been more access to scripture in the history of humanity, and yet we have never been more biblically illiterate than we are today. Because God offers you scripture, but you still have to take it. I can cook you the greatest meal in the world, but if you don't eat it, that's on you. You can't then complain, I haven't eaten all day. That's, your food is right there. That's why Jesus says, when they ask him, have you eaten? He says, I got food you know nothing about. I'm not nourished by that. I'm nourished by the bread of life. And if you don't take in the bread of life, don't be shocked in those moments where you're freaking out and you don't know what to do, that you don't have an understanding of what's happening. You ever took a test that you never read about and you never studied? You know, you just look at it like, oh, I failed. <laughs> you don't even try. You're just like, nope, sorry. 
I don't know any of this. I totally failed. But you better be ready the next time. Hey, listen, you might have failed a couple of tests and you might have been suffering and struggling. But you can still try and you can still study because guess what? You're going to take the test again. There is no, no child left behind in heaven like we bringing you up. <laughs> the third thing is this. Not only does the Holy Spirit teach you and remind you of God's word, but the Holy Spirit gives you peace. And the process of that, that's what the comforter does. Here, Jesus is offering you peace. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the prayer meeting. One result of the fruit of the Spirit, of having the Holy Spirit in your life, is that it produces peace. But Jesus makes a point to differentiate that this isn't the world's peace, it's God's peace. And this is important for us to understand because the world's idea of peace is one of conflict removal. That's what peace is to many people within the world. Peace means I don't have conflict. The problem is that we live in a world with constant conflict, right? But we think either the conflict is removed or I remove myself from the conflict. As long as I can do that, I will have peace. The problem is there is nowhere you can go and run and hide where conflict won't find you at some point. Because of sin, we will always see conflict. So instead of learning how to deal with conflict, we try to escape from it. And often we escape with good things. We escape with binge watching TV shows, with endless scrolling on our devices. You ever just scrolled and scrolled and just realized, wow, three hours. <laughs> you know, when, when Apple uh, products started telling you how much time you spent on your devices, we all felt a little bit more conviction. We're like, yeah, that's, that's a lot of time. Why? Because we're escaping. It's escapism. We escape with constant vacations, with food, with relationships, with music. And listen, I'm not saying any of those things are inherently wrong, but when that's your coping mechanism, when that's how you deal with stress and pain, and really, when your idea of peace is I have to get away, you're going to find out that when you come back, not only is peace waiting with you, but it showed up with anxiety and depression too. Everybody came to the party this time. And listen, sometimes it's not good things we escape with. Some escapes can be dangerous, like drunkenness, substance abuse, pornography, self-harm, closing ourselves off from people, isolation. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in the midst of your conflict. See, the problem is, if I can be reverent about this, some of us are emotionally and spiritually weak because we avoid conflict rather than grow from it. And the Bible is very clear that God allows certain things to happen to produce perseverance, to produce endurance, to make you stronger. And the reason we're not getting stronger spiritually, emotionally, even sometimes physically, is because we avoid resistance rather than growing from resistance. Listen, you're not gonna get muscles without lifting something. It's just. It's not gonna happen. If you spend all day long laying down day after day, week after week, year after year, you don't get more restful, your muscles atrophy and you get weaker. And so what's happening here is the Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I'm not gonna remove conflict. You need conflict. You need some of these things. What I'm telling you is I'm your spotter. I'm with there with you. I am guiding you through this. I'm gonna lead you in it. You're not gonna be alone in this situation. And because you're with me, you are gonna be more than an overcomer. So do not be afraid and do not be scared. I got you. See, that's what we need. We need somebody that's gonna come and hold us. John chapter 16, verse 33 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have told you these things so that you may have peace. Peace is offered, but trouble is guaranteed. Right? In this world you will have trouble, but you may have peace. Meaning, it's optional. You decide if you're going to choose peace or you're going to choose trouble on your own. Because trouble is guaranteed while peace is optional. And some of us are losing hours of sleep that we don't need to simply because we want the world's peace but not God's peace. And so we're going to get away, right? We're going to go on vacation. Listen, I'm all about vacations. Have a vacation. Take some time to rest. But when your vacation is every weekend, all weekends, all year, I don't know why I'm so stressed at work. Well, spiritually, you're atrophying because you've cut yourself off from the body. We just talked about that with the members. Again, I'm not trying to dig at you, but historically speaking, with the history of the church as we've tracked it, June always dips in attendance beginning today. Now, I'll give you slack because it's Memorial Day weekend. I'm not going to harp on that. I'm not going to be that guy. But all of June and all of July, why? I, I got to get away. I'm stressed out and this and this and that. Okay. And I get that. But if you think that's going to eliminate all your stress and all your drama, then I don't know what you were doing here every Sunday you showed up. Because this is where we get the spiritual refill. Not just in this building, but in his word, in his presence, in his time. Jesus reiterates this thought in our main verse in John 14 when he talks about my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world does uh, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. Listen, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Notice that? When we pray, when we talk to God, when we're in his presence, then we'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, I like that it says it exceeds anything you can understand because God's peace is not something you can rationalize. It's something you have to experience. I just experienced the peace of God and that's what transformed me. Well, what is God's peace like? You just gotta be there. You just gotta experience. Can you walk me through it? Can you tell me how to get it? Man, you get it by seeking the presence of God and being in the presence of God, but what it's like, I don't even understand. I don't understand how some people can be living through literal hell and have peace in their heart because rationally it doesn't make sense, but spiritually, I get it. I get it. And that peace It'll guard the two most critical parts of our mental health crisis, your heart and your mind. Now, I'm not saying don't go to counselors. I absolutely believe in counseling. If you need counseling, 100%, go see counseling because if you had cardiac issues, I wouldn't tell you not to see a heart doctor, okay? So I 100% believe in counseling, especially Christian counseling because they can give you an angle and a perspective that we believe. But in, that's supplemental. That's in addition to, that is not a replacement of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always be our ultimate physician, our ultimate counselor. And if the Holy Spirit guides you to those things, praise God, that's awesome. But don't sidestep the Holy Spirit just because you got a really great counselor, really great medication, or really great support system. Those are all a result of what God has brought in your life, praise God. But don't cut God out. Worship team, if you can help me out. I was uh, actually just writing this down during worship. 
um, a few, man, maybe like eight, 10 years ago, I struggled for the first time in my life with uh, severe anxiety. On two separate occasions, I had anxiety attacks that ended up uh, in the hospital. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't really understand what was happening to me because mentally, honestly, I I was fine. I wasn't thinking about anything. I wasn't stressing about anything. But I was always, ever since I was a little kid, I would carpomentalize. So maybe my mind just didn't notice where I was storing all that junk. And really, I was hurting, I was struggling. I was dealing with some very serious issues. I was helping uh, a young person who had been molested and and were guiding them through the process. And I was worrying about everybody else and I never worried about how it was affecting me. So one day I'm on a double date, my wife, then my girlfriend and another couple. And in the middle of the theater, I just can't catch my breath, I can't breathe. And I have a history of asthma, so I go outside, I take my inhaler, and I still can't catch my breath. And so I go to the ER, which wasn't far from the movie theater, uh, because growing up, they're like, listen, if you can't breathe, just get to the ER. Like, that was always the mandate. So I get to the ER, and they put all this stuff up, and they're measuring me, and they're like, Mr. Silva, your oxygen levels are fine. You're just not breathing. And I'm like, I know, that's why I'm here. (laughs) He's like, no, no, you, you you are not breathing. You, You have to breathe. And I didn't get it. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not breathing. And it happened another time, not too long after that. And I was really worried and struggling. And there were days where I would just lay there and I couldn't move because I just couldn't catch my breath. And then I just, I began to pray. I began to seek the Lord. And I did another thing, series of things that I felt the Holy Spirit was leading me to do. I went to my physician. Turns out my asthma was kicking in as well. I was breathing with 50% lung capacity, but the anxiety was inducing the asthma and the asthma would induce more anxiety. I sat down with godly men who I trust and I verbally unloaded, talked about everything that I was going through and I processed things that I hadn't been processing. I walked through things that I wasn't willing to acknowledge. And I prayed, came to the prayer meeting. I had hands laid on me. I sought the face of the Lord. And in time, I got better. And by the grace of God, I've never had an anxiety attack since. I've never felt that way since. It's never been an issue for me after that. But I think part of that is because I learned a very valuable lesson in that moment. I can't afford to be out of step with the Spirit of God. Maybe if I was more in step with the Spirit of God, he would have pointed out, hey, you're not dealing with this. He would have pointed out, hey, this this area of your life, you're not opening up about. You got to deal with that. Maybe he would have guided me a little bit sooner before it became an attack, before I got to the point where I was suffering. And again, I don't want to diminish anybody who has a chronic issue with that. If, if you struggle with anxiety and you're taking medication, please continue to do so. We want you to be healthy. If you're struggling with bipolar, depression, whatever it is, that, again, I don't want to dismiss that. But I also don't want to diminish the work of the Holy Spirit. Because I believe in the midst of your struggle, even if what you're dealing with is not clinical, it's still important to God. And the Holy Spirit is willing to guide you and to love you and to lead you, not around your situation, but through it. He will teach you what you need to know. He will remind you of the scripture that we so desperately need to wash the water of the word over our minds, over our hearts. And he will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. So I'm gonna ask you to stand as we get ready to close and just For a moment, would you close your eyes? I just want you to think inwardly. In a moment, I want to open up this altar. 
And I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't, you can be in a really great place emotionally, spiritually, in life, or you can be at the worst moment you've ever been. And the truth is, every day in church, somebody's going through something. Every day at your job, somebody's going through something. Every person you drive by, you're driving by somebody who's going through something. And all I'm offering this morning is an opportunity to draw close to the Holy Spirit, to seek his face, and to unload on the Holy Spirit, to acknowledge, I can't keep going this way alone. Holy Spirit, I need more of you. Really, you're all I need. So I'm gonna ask you, if that's you, sir, ma'am, would you just let me pray with you? And again, I'm gonna open up this altar. If you would begin to just make your way out of your seat. I know that's hard, but I want you to understand in the Bible, when we read about the woman of bleeding, she fought through the crowd for one touch. And the Bible tells us that Jesus noticed her touch. Even though everybody was around her, Jesus noticed her touch. And the way he noticed it, he said, power left from me. What do you think that power was if not the Holy Spirit? So come on, church, if you are in need of a touch from the Holy Spirit, if you're in need of healing in your body, if you're in need of healing in your spirit, if you need to unload, if you need to trust in God, if you have had things spoken over you that shouldn't be spoken over you, if you have past trauma, past pain, past guilt that you haven't shed, that is hurting you mentally, that is hurting you emotionally, that is hurting you physically, now is the time for you to respond. Now is the time for you to call on the name.